God, we love you. We thank you for putting joy in our hearts, Lord. Because the weather's nice today. Come on. Jesus is here in this room. It's a reason to be joyful. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of the cold weather tonight. It's nice out. And now we're hanging out here together. We're just a body of believers, just worshiping the one true king who says, it's crazy, the God who is for us, the God who is with us. He's not some distant God, but he's here with us tonight. That's incredible. That's incredible. God loves us. God loves each one of you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your past is. God loves you. Isn't that incredible? When we rebel against God, he still loves us. I don't know, between that and the weather, I'm pumped today. I'm pumped. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We pray that you'd be with us tonight as we just look at your word. In your name, amen. All right, you guys may take a seat. All right, so I don't know about, okay, so I thought the worship team was incredible tonight. It was just like in sync. So let's just give them a round of applause. That was really awesome. All right. So I just want to say welcome, first of all, if you're new. We're so glad you're here. I pray that by the time you leave, that you feel loved, and you're told that Jesus loves you, and we love you, and you get a hug. If you're a dude, you get a hug still, okay? Dude, I'm going to hug you, all right? So if you're new, come get that hug after service. Uh, so we're excited for tonight. I'm praying that each of us, as I said, would encounter God tonight because we all come from different backgrounds. We're coming from different places in our journey. And I pray that God would speak to each one of us in the way that each of us need to be spoken to. So right now we're in a series called Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Yeah, let's go. Can't Stop, Won't Stop. And, and really, this series is all about going all in for Jesus and going all out for his purposes. So the first week we talked about how the author James, he's a writer of the book James in the New Testament, talks about how our lives are a mist. And because our lives are a mist, that means we can't waste any time. That means we have to live every day with eternity in focus. And then last week, we talked about this story from the Gospel of Matthew, where Peter, this disciple, this zealous disciple, gets out of the boat and starts walking on water. Okay, Jesus is walking on water. Peter's like, I'm getting in there too. If Jesus is walking on water, I'm walking on water. So we talked about that story and how God calls us to get out of the boat. If we're going to walk on water, we have to get out of the boat. That's what we talked about last week, okay? Can't stop, won't stop. We're going all out. And then tonight, God gave me a fresh word. So I had something else planned, but on Monday in my devotional time, I just felt like God breathed something into me. So I'm really excited to share it with you. Uh, it's from Acts chapter 3. We're going to take a look at that in just a minute. So if you want to turn there, you can now. Usually we don't turn for a while, but go ahead and turn. Acts chapter 3. Uh, it's going to be an incredible story we're going to read and just a... Uh, just about how God calls us to seize every moment. That's the title of tonight's message, seize every moment. Seize every moment for his glory. God is not just in these moments, in this room, but God can, or God can work in your classroom. God can work in the Redeker Center. God can be anywhere. God can move anywhere at any time, any place. That's what we're going to talk about. So for the last couple of weeks, I've been putting off something that I, it, I've just been dreading it, okay? Something that really scares me. I hate it comes around once every six to eight weeks I needed to get a haircut and I'm not afraid of getting a haircut because I'm afraid of the scissors or anything like that I'm afraid of the haircut because I'm just being honest I hate the conversation with the stylist it's always really awkward but I sit down and then they're like so what's your name I'm Daniel so what do you do wait well usually they ask me so how are your classes this morning I said uh I'm not in class you know it's just awkward, okay? And then you talk about 
or talk through things. And it's even more awkward when there's that silence and she's just sniffing. You're both like, <laughs> what do I say? Okay, so I'm also reading this book called the, actually I already read the book, but it's called The Bush Always Burns. And the whole point of the book is, so the tagline is, the bush always burns and the ground is always sacred. So it talks about this guy in the Bible named Moses, who God spoke to him through a burning bush in the middle of the desert. Okay, so it's crazy. God speaks through a bush. And the whole point that this author is making is God can move in any moment. God can move in any space. He's not confined to a church building. He's not confined to these experiences as much as I love them. So I'm reading this book. I'm about to go get a haircut because I finally got the faith to get out of the boat and walk on water. So I'm going to get a haircut. I'm like, Lord, prove it to me. The bush always burns. The ground is always sacred. Let's see it. And sure enough, I go in there. It's just me and her. I'm like, how's it going? She's being awkward. I'm being awkward. I said, Lord, do something. So we sit down, and she asked me, so how are your classes going? I'm like, well, I'm not actually a student. I'm a pastor at campus ministry. And she's like, oh, that's cool. Then she began to ask me. She said, so... So just before you came in here, it's really weird. Or the two of us, because there's another Silas, but the two of us were debating about if God is Jesus' father. I'm like, okay, so I talked about that. I'm not going to get into that right now. But so, and then we got into some more things. Like she said, she, you know, she grew up in church, but, you know, she slept with her boyfriend. Now they have a baby together and how she's scared of hell, things like that. And I was able to share the gospel with her. So God proved to me the bush is always burning. The ground is always sacred. God can move in the most mundane situations. And I want to see that on our campus. Guys, I'm an introvert. I like to just do my thing, block things out. But God is calling us tonight to open our eyes because he's waiting to speak. God's waiting to move in people's lives. But we're just missing it. I firmly believe we're just missing it because we're so busy. We're so focused that we're missing what God wants to do. So that's what God's going to speak tonight to us. It was crazy. So that happened. I'm reading the book. And then I read Acts chapter 3. And it all just goes together. I'm really excited to talk about it. So, the reality is, is God truly is in every moment. He's always looking for an opportunity to show up in our lives. We just need to have the eyes to see. We need to lay aside our busy schedules and allow God to interrupt us. If we truly want to be unstoppable in our faith, can't stop, won't stop, come on. Then we need to engage with what God is already doing all around us. We need to seize every moment for God's glory we need to encourage that person sitting next to us in class. Or if we see someone who's hurting or has a cast on, we need to pray for that person to be healed. If we're at the gas station and it seems like the cashier's wanting to talk to you and have conversation, bring up Jesus. Look for the moments because God is waiting to speak. We don't need to just come here to experience God. God wants to do that in our everyday, ordinary lives. I think we all want to be a part of what God is doing, but... I think we overcomplicate it. We think, oh, God's got to zap my friend with the Holy Spirit. God's got to speak in the clouds if I'm going to do anything. Seriously. I didn't know what else I was going to say, so that's all I had. So we need to be obedient and love people right where they're at and not be looking for this big thing from God to come. Because God's moving. We just need to have the eyes to see, a tender heart, and the ears to hear. Okay, we need to be alert and simply ready to listen. We need to stop for a moment be, to allow God to interrupt us, not be so busy that we're blocking God out from doing what he wants to do every day in our ordinary lives. When we begin to see God in every moment, to love Jesus every day of the week, not just Thursdays, to pray continually, then we're gonna see the supernatural in our lives. 
So a story, like I said, in the book of Acts talks about this. So in the midst of the busyness of life and even a religious activity, two people took the time to stop and partner with God in what he was doing. They took time to ask God to invade an ordinary moment. The book of, Ab- or the book of Acts is a story of what happened right after Jesus left earth, okay? So in Acts chapter 2, the disciples are praying and waiting for God to pour out his Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem until I pour out my Holy Spirit. Because you can't do ministry on your own, or do ministry on your own. You cannot reach out to someone on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. So the, the disciples are waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. The Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. There's a tongue of fire. There's a big rushing wind. They speak in other languages. It was crazy. It was nuts. And then that day, 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people. And then in Acts chapter 3, okay, so that's an extraordinary moment. God just rushing in. And then in Acts chapter 3, God moves in a more ordinary moment. Peter and John are actually going to the temple to pray. And then God stops them and says, I want to do something right here. So let's read this. It's Acts chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to start in. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, the man asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. That's intimidating. Peter going, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. The dude's thinking, I'm going to get some cash, some dollar bills. What's up? And Peter says, I don't have no silver or gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That takes some boldness right there. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And, and they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with, filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? That's a good word. That's a good little passage right there. So the main point tonight is this. We will reach our friends in this campus when we realize that God is ready and eager to reveal himself in the everyday moments of life. So this passage captures an important principle, one that I've been learning. God can move at any time and in any place. I think we often wait for God to move in moments of high intensity where we're really emotional, whether it be moments of great expectation for God to do something great or great sorrow because, you know, life is hard. And we assume that God can only move when our emotions are running high. God couldn't move during my time at the gas station. God can't move in the mocker union when people are doing homework just trying to get their stuff done. God can't move in my physics class. That's what we think. We think this is secular time. This is where we do our thing, just our, or just live in our world, do our homework, go to the gas station. And then sacred time is when we come to Chi Alpha. 
or go to church or go to fall retreat because that's a real sacred time, fall retreat. God's going to move at fall retreat. But why can't God move in our classrooms? Why can't God move in the union? I'm telling you, God wants to pour out his spirit on this campus. God wants to begin to do what happened in the book of Acts on our campus. I believe some of you are going to be walking to class, and there's going to be some dude just limping, like a basketball player or something. And you're just going to be like, do it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's the way you're going to say it, too. <laughs> Take your cast off and walk, homie. That's what's going to happen. I'm believing that. All right. So the first point is this. We have to recognize that God can move and is moving in every moment. I think it's true that we often see God do supernatural moves in these sacred spaces or spiritual places like fall retreat. But I don't think that's because God can only move in those spaces. I think the reason God moves in those places and spaces is because we have a lot of expectation. Expectation, I feel like, precedes the victory. If we're expecting God to move, he's gonna move. That's why he moves at fall retreat and the winter retreat and the Hillsong concert. I'm expecting God to do something big. I'm at Hillsong tonight. God's gonna do something. Dan Benson's playing guitar tonight. I'm gonna, God's doing something. I don't know. But what if we had that attitude when we woke up in the morning, got in the shower, and said, God, you're gonna move today. I don't care if Kyle is only three days away. God, you're moving today. In the WRC, let's go. I'm believing for that. I believe this campus will only be reached when we start to expect God to move in the everyday moments of life. Peter and John had an agenda. They had a place to be. It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, things are starting to wind down. And they wanted just to get to the temple and pray their daily prayers. They had somewhere spiritual to be. They're going to Chi Alpha. They had something to do. They wanted to go meet God at the temple. But the beautiful thing is that they didn't let their religious activity distract them from God's movement in the ordinary. In the beggar's life who was just sitting at the gate. He'd been there every day. God wanted to move in that space, not necessarily inside the temple. They didn't, let's think about this, our religious activity sometimes distracts us from what God wants to do in the ordinary. So let's look at Acts 3, verses 1 and 2. Again, so it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So Peter and John took time to notice the man who needed Jesus. They took time to see what God was doing in the ordinary moments. They recognized that every piece of ground is sacred, as Heath would say, the author of that book. Every space of ground is sacred. It's because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. God goes with us. God's with us. He's for us. He's going with us when we go out on our campus. Every step we take, the Holy Spirit's taking that step with us. They recognize that every piece of ground is sacred. God is not confined to a temple, to church, to CAC 108. God is not confined. So when I was going to get my haircut this week, I really wanted to get in and get out. Usually I just like zip my lips. I'm like, cut my hair, girl. Hurry up. We got five minutes. I don't like this awkwardness. But God had a different plan. And I know if I wouldn't have thought about it before I went in, God probably wouldn't have moved. But I had to like engage in the moment because I wouldn't have took that opportunity. You know, she asked me, hey, do you have classes this morning? I just say, oh, no, I didn't, because I don't want to have a conversation. But instead, God let me say, hey, I'm a pastor, so we could have that conversation. But that couldn't happen if I didn't have the perspective going into it. And I don't usually have the perspective. I'm, guys, I'm working on it. Let's do it together. Let's have a perspective together that God can move in every moment. We have to slow down enough to notice God and his movement and activity 
in the ordinary moments. God is not limited to our religious activities. God wants to move all across this campus. We just have to slow down enough to see him moving and our friends, to hear what he has to say to our friends and in this campus, to love people enough to meet them right where they're at and engage with them in the classroom where they're comfortable. You know, a lot of times I just want to invite people to Chi Alpha, have Pastor Daniel do it, Pastor Drew here do it. No, that person would be much more comfortable with you talking to them right there. We have to go to people. You guys have to love them enough to go to them. And that actually leads me to my second point. Talking about people. So the second point is this. We have to see people, not projects. So when you become a follower of Christ, I don't know about you, but I get pretty excited. You know, when I became a follower, I was excited. I was like, I got to share this with everybody. We should want to tell people about him if we're following Jesus because he changes our life. We talk about this every week at Kyle. Share your faith with people. But our motivation in telling others about Jesus has to be love. It cannot be simply to convert them. Yes, hopefully people will put their faith in Jesus, but we can't just love them so they'll convert. We should love them right where they're at because Jesus loved us right where we were at. We should love Jesus because we should love them so much because God has loved us so greatly. So this quote from the author of that book says this, or says this, I talked about Jesus to anyone who would listen, and my goal wasn't to convert people but to love them the way that I had been loved. Whenever we build relationships to convert someone, it's an indicator of just how shallow we've become. I just couldn't keep the good news about Jesus quiet. He was just excited because God loved him and he wanted to love other people. It wasn't about just converting people. We don't just love people to convert them. People in your classes are not projects. They're human beings made in the image of God who are separated from him and they need Jesus. But we have to love them from a pure, pure place, not a motivation to convert them. Although that's something we would like to see happen, that's not the driving motivation. The driving motivation is we love them. And guys, we've been changed so much by Jesus, we just have to share it. And we're gonna love them even if they don't convert. We're gonna keep loving them. Because Jesus calls us to love people. He doesn't call us to have little projects to work on. People will see right through that. If you're just excited and passionate and, and you've just been changed by Jesus and you're just telling people, they're gonna love that. But you're like, oh, Pastor Daniel says I have to share my faith. So let's get one person down. All right, Billy done. All right, I'm gonna talk to Jane later. She's done. All right, I told him, ooh, God's gonna love me. And that comes from this legalism point of view, okay? God doesn't love you because you obey. God loves you right where you're at, even when you disobey. But because of how much he loves you, then you should obey. You got that? Guys, we don't have to share our faith to get God to love us. It needs to be, be motivated by pure thankfulness and gratitude for what God has done for us. And just a, or just a heart to share it with other people. Not to just go and convert people because we have to, because that's our religious duty. I got to go get my list together. I converted this person, this person, this person. No, that can't be our heart. So Acts 3, 4 says this, and this is really profound. It says, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. It says, Peter directed his gaze at him. Why did the author Luke think that was important to include? It's kind of a random detail. He directed his gaze. I think Luke wanted us to know that Peter didn't just view this beggar as simply a project to be completed. Peter didn't view him as an interruption. The beggar was someone who Peter loved and wanted to know. He saw the man who was made in the image of God. He didn't see a project. The beggar was someone who pulled at Jesus or Peter's heart, and Peter says, I have to make eye contact with this person. I have to see this person. I have to see him in the eyes. This is someone who God loves. 
Peter saw the potential in the beggar. He saw God's image. He saw himself in the beggar. We are the beggar. We were all in that place, crippled and rebellious towards God. And Peter's like, I see myself in that man. And I've been changed so much. And I gotta share it with him. He sympathized for the beggar. Peter saw in this man someone who God loved, not just some religious duty to check off. I shared my faith today. I did good. I'm going to bed now. Peter saw this as someone who God loved. Peter felt God's heart for this person, and he wanted to have a genuine moment with him. Not to get some religious badge, but so Jesus could invade his life, so he could be changed. So I, I learned this principle when I was in, in youth group in high school. This time I was a self-proclaimed Christian, but I wasn't living my life for the Lord. I, I was far from God, my lifestyle. And I remember just about every Sunday night when we had youth group, and I would confess to my youth pastor all of the stuff I had done with tears in my eyes, just, you know, saying sorry for it. I felt bad, and I'd go back to it and say sorry for it the next week. Well, I'm just a screw-up. And I was always expecting him to have some 10-step plan to change me and, and help me, which maybe would have been helpful, but... But Pastor Adam would always just look at me in the eyes and just cry, cry with me. Say, I love you. Say, I love you. He wasn't trying to fix me. He just loved me. And actually, I didn't know Drew was coming. I knew he was coming. I forgot. I was going to talk about Drew. So I'm going to talk about him anyways. He's sitting right here. Pastor Drew right here. Raise your hand. He's my boss. So, yeah. So he told me a month ago he was coming, then I forgot. Uh, but So I wrote this before that. But I don't think he remembers this. But the first time I told Pastor Drew my story was at camp when I was a freshman in college, he was promoting Chi Alpha, and I was only sharing, I was sharing a really brief version, it was about two minutes in, and he just gets tears on up in his eyes, because he loved me, and when I saw that, Pastor Drew, I was like, I want to be like that, like, I'm just so zealous, I just want to change people and convert them, but Drew was just seeing God in me, and Drew was just looking at me, saying, I love this person, Pastor Adam was saying, I love you, man, and they sympathized with me, they were with me in the moment, I want to be like that, I want to love people. I don't want to have projects to check off. I want to love people. I'm not there yet, guys. I'm not perfect. But God, please give me that heart for people on this campus. Not just to grow this group or say, oh, this many people got saved this year. Because I really love them from a pure motivation. That's what I want. And I believe when we begin to view people as people, not projects, God's going to reach this campus. When a group of people really love people, broken people, people who are far from God, when people love them, that's going to change things. When we come down to people's level and mourn with them and have joy with them even and are in the moment with them, that's going to change people. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. It can't be projects. So when we really capture this, people will want to know what we have and why we love them so much. And this will give us an opportunity to share Jesus in a non-threatening way. So the third point is this. So although it's not our, so although it's not our motivation to, mo- or to convert people, we do have to give people the best gift ever, Jesus. Because we can't have this great gift and just hold it to ourselves. That's not love either. Come on, Jesus transformed my life. I was addicted to things. I was far from God. I was filled with guilt and shame. He changed my life. I have to share them with other people. If you're a Christian, you've been changed, and you never share your faith, I'm sorry, but you need to get with Jesus tonight. Because he's worth sharing with other people. Peter and John could not go a day without sharing Jesus with other people. They walked with him. They saw him rise from the dead, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them. They're like, this man is changing the world. This is God. 
He changed my life. Peter denied Jesus three times. And Jesus still looked at him and loved him. And then Peter became the leader of the church after Jesus left, even though he denied Jesus three times. What kind of love is that? That's incredible. Because God loved Peter so much, he had to share with other people. God gave me a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. I gotta share that with other people. It's not because they're my little project to complete. It's because I love them. It's because I've been changed, and I gotta share with other people. We have to give people the best gifts. So verse six and seven says this, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. I want boldness like that. What incredible boldness and confidence in the power of Christ this took. He just approaches the man who's been lame his whole life, been sitting there his whole life, and says, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. Come on. Wow. I'd be scared. I'd be like, Jesus, you better give him the ability to walk. I'm look like an idiot. But Peter had so much confidence. He had been with Jesus, and he knew that Jesus wanted to heal that man. So in faith, he said, get up and walk. It takes faith to share Jesus with our friends who may not be receptive. But life is too short to miss out on opportunities. Maybe there will be a time where you say, I'm going to pray for you to get healed, and that person does not get healed. But at least you tried. At least you stepped out of the boat. And eventually people will get healed, and you are going to walk on water. I believe that with all my heart. Peter saw the God-given opportunity. This man was asking for some cash flow. Peter said, I'll give you eternal treasure. He probably didn't have any money either, but he said, I'll give you some eternal treasure. Jesus. When the Holy Spirit calls us to share Jesus, we have to be obedient. I don't want to miss opportunities to share the love of God with other people. And I I really believe God gives us multiple opportunities every day. I believe that. I just believe we miss it because we're blind. We're so busy. I got to get this done, get this done, get this done. And we're blind to what God wants to do. There are lost people all around us. God is calling us. Share. Give them the best gift ever. Love them from a pure heart and give them the best gift ever. Have you ever heard the quote? If you've been in church, you've probably heard, probably heard this quote. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Has anybody heard that? It's kind of popular. I'm going to say that it's wrong, okay? It's a misguided statement. <laughs> I'm just telling it how it is. To share the gospel of Christ in its fullness, we have to use words. So many times we shake off responsibility, like, if I'm just nice to this person, I'm just nice, I'm kind, I hold the door, they'll get saved. I'm just going to smile at them really cheesy-like. They'll get saved. No, you just look like a weirdo. That's what you look like. You have to use words. You have to give them the best gift ever. Jesus, you have to give it to them. There comes a point. You love the person. There's going to come an opportunity to give them Jesus. And do not shake off that responsibility. Do not say, oh, I'm super nice, so Jesus is going to come invade their life. No, it's not going to happen, Okay. Smiling at people is not going to save people. I just believe that with all my heart. And I'm all for being nice and kind and holding the door. But this can't be the only thing we do. We have to use words as well. But we have to use those words in love. We have to be like Peter and fix our attention on those people. And be in the moment with them and love them right where they're at. And tell them, God loved me so much that he did this. And I believe God loves you as well. And God wants to do this in your life. So how do we go about this in everyday or in everyday life? You have to be diligent to look for opportunities. 
If you see someone, like I said, someone who's sick or in a cast, pray for them. It's not going to hurt anything. They're going to appreciate that you prayed for them. Someone's hurting or crying or going through something. Encourage them. Encourage people in general. Make it your goal. I'm going to encourage one person in every class today. I don't care if you say their shirt looks nice, even though it doesn't. I'm kidding. Don't lie. If the shirt sucks, don't say anything. (laughs) Give them a pencil. Say, that's from Jesus. I'm kidding. Don't do that either. But encourage people and tell people about what Jesus has done in your life. And if someone notices the joy and love in your life, they're going to ask, what's different about you? As you do life and love people well, look for opportunities from the Holy Spirit to share about Jesus. If you pay attention, I promise you, God will give you opportunities. God will give you opportunities, I promise I'm going to tell one story quick. So I went to Bible college for two years. We took this class called evangelism. Okay, it's like, I'm thinking, what are we going to do? Because evangelism is like like going out and reaching people. And I heard that some of the assignments were, there are actually three of them, were to share your faith with people that don't know Jesus. I was like, you know, I'm going to Bible college, but I don't really want to share about Jesus with anybody. Come on, I just want to read the Bible. I'm kidding. That's not what my heart was. But but I was kind of nervous about it. I'm like, wow, or I'm going to get graded on this. I got, this is crazy. So I'm going to Target, or so or actually, or I'm working at Target, and every night I'd put my headphones in because I worked in the back room. This was the same night that the teacher gave us the assignment, and I had my headphones in, and all of a sudden, they just stopped working randomly. I'm like, gosh dang it. So they stopped working. <clears throat> put the headphones in my pocket. Some guy in the back room comes up to me and says, hey, what's your major? Pastoral studies. And boom, we have this conversation about Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Like, I had heard about the evangelism thing. Like, I had to do that. And then God broke my headphones randomly. I don't even know how they broke. <laughs> and then someone pretty much asked me about Jesus because I had the eyes to see. What if I was just, like, not a dummy and took my headphones off every day so I could talk to, Je- or talk to people about Jesus? So on the way to class, take your headphones out. I was worse about this. Headphones in, close the eyes, go to class, not to smile at anybody. Headphones out. Take the headphones out. Engage people. Look them in the eye. Smile at people. I joked about smiling, but smiling is good too. Smile at people and love people. So this is the fourth point. If we want to reach this campus and see God move in the ordinary moments of life, we have to walk with people. Can you put that up on the screen, babe? Emily, put that up on the screen. Thank you. That's my wife. She's incredible. <laughs> so we have to walk with people. I love what it says in verse 11. I think the author, Luke, put the descriptors of body language in this passage for a reason. It says that after the man was healed and had gotten done praising God, he clung to Peter and John. Let's look at it. Verse 11 says, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Thomas. So the Greek word for clung is krateo, and this means to hold fast to something or to seize something. So Peter and John are going into the temple, and he's like holding on to them, clinging to Peter and John, saying, these people led me to Jesus. I need to hold on to them. And we need to recognize that our work does not stop with sharing our faith. We have to walk with people. We have to do life with people. Guys, if we want to see people come to know Jesus, we have to walk with them. We have to do life with them. We have to let people cling to us for a little while. We have to lead people. 
We have to love people enough, not just to preach the gospel about them, but then to follow up and actually love them, continue to love them. It's really interesting. He clung to them. Wow. We need to let our friends cling to us for a little bit. We need to love people enough to give them time and attention. To give people time. I, I know at college, the time is such a valuable commodity. It's just going into homework, though. You're missing it. There are students all around this campus who need Jesus. There are students from countries, Saudi Arabia, the big one, that are close to the gospel. If you go there as a missionary, then you'll get put in prison. And they're walking by you every day. What if we did life with these people? What if we loved them right where they're at and walked with them? Jesus is gonna move. That's all I'm saying. Jesus is gonna move. So 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8 says this. And this is kind of a Chi Alpha theme verse. But this is verse seven. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, so not only our words, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. The apostle Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, this church, and he says, we were gentle among you when we were with you. We were like a nursing mother caring for her own children. We were affectionate towards you. Now get this, it's critical. They didn't only share words. I'm big about that, but they didn't only share the gospel of God with their words, but they also shared their lives because they were very dear to them. Are people on this campus dear to you? Or are they just projects? Are they dear to you? I pray they're dear to you. I pray you're willing to give your own self to them because you love them so much because you know where you came from and, and you see them in that and you want to help them find life. Eat meals with people. Drink coffee with people. Do life with people. Play sports. Play video games. I joke about video games almost every week. I do not like video games that much. But play some video games with someone who doesn't know Jesus because you might be able to share Jesus with them. Do life with people. Love people. Be their friend. View each person as a potential new best friend, not just a project. View people as a potential best friend. People only care about, people only care about what you have to say when they, or when they know that you love them. People don't give two craps what you have to say if you don't really care about them. You're just a zealous dude. Repent! You're like, just hit you with a sign or something. <laughs> they don't give a crap. I said crap. I don't care. We have to be genuine and gentle and affectionate with people. Love people. Look them in the eyes. Let them cling to us for a little bit. We have to love people the way that Jesus loves us. If we want to reach this campus, we have to be prepared to walk with people, not only to the line of salvation, but also after they put their faith in Jesus. And walking with people who don't know Jesus or baby believers is a hard thing to do sometimes. If you've been in the church for a while, if you've been, been in your faith, it's hard to do at times. Guys, it requires patience. It requires love. It requires humility. It requires for you to listen less than you talk, to continue to point them to Jesus, to actually do life with them. 
I've heard it said that more is caught than taught. People really don't care what you have to say that much. I mean, share the gospel, those things. But they're going to catch more than what you're going to teach them. So just being around them, it's huge. If we want people to catch what Jesus is doing in our lives, then we have to let them cling to us a little bit. Are you willing to count the cost? Because it's a big price to give up your time, to give up your freedom, and lay your life down for people. Are you willing to walk with people through the fires of life? Are you prepared to let people cling to you? If we want to see God move in the everyday moments of life, then we have to walk with people. The worship team would come up. Look at that. It's like 30 minutes. No, 20 minutes. Come on, Jesus is here. 30 minutes. That's, that's good, and that's not saying much, because 30 should be like the max. Okay. So the main point tonight is this. We will reach our friends in this campus when we realize that God is ready and eager to reveal himself in the everyday moments of life. I think a lot of us, me included, are searching for more of God. I think deep in every human heart is a desire to see God move in our midst, to see the supernatural, to see the Bible come to life. I want to see him move more in my life. And I believe you want that same thing. I believe you want him to free you from those things that are holding you back, free you from your sin, to help you walk forward from those past hurts. I believe you want to see God move in the life of your friends. And the beautiful thing about God is he's right here, right now. We don't have to like beg. He's here. The Holy Spirit is in this room. He's here right now. Isn't that incredible? James 4.8 says, if you draw near to God, then he will draw near to you. There's a bunch of world changers in this room. There's people that God wants to use to shake this campus. You just have to open your eyes and open your heart. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. God can show up at this campus. God can show up right here, right now. He can show up in your classes. He can show up at Walmart. It's harder for him to get in there, but he can show up there too. It doesn't matter where you are. God can invade any space in any moment, we just need to open our eyes and look for him in every moment, in the mundane, in the super emotional moments, every moment, look for God. Look for opportunities to share your faith. Look for opportunities to love someone. Look for opportunities to meet with God. If you're a Christian and you're not spending time with Jesus, you're missing out. God doesn't hate you for it. God still loves you, but you're missing out because God wants to speak to you every single day. Open the word of God and, and allow him to speak to you. It's the best part of my day when God speaks to me in the mornings. God says, I love you, Daniel. You're a son. You're not a slave. Because every day I keep going back to that. Like, wow, I screwed up. I kind of revert to that slavery mentality. Like, wow, I just got to obey God because he's a big taskmaster and he's not going to love me. But when you get with him and you get with Jesus, when you get with the same guy who walked with Peter, it's the guy who walked with Peter, and Peter is the dude who looks them in the eyes and loves them, and that person clings to him. Jesus taught Peter that. When you get to hang out with Jesus and hear, hey, you're a son, you're not a slave. You're a daughter, you're not a slave. I love you. That changes things. And then, we, then you begin to want to share about him with other people. 
We're missing the point. If we just go to this campus to get homework done and get a degree, we're missing the point. And I want you to get a degree. It's a good thing. Get A's, please. It's awesome. But God wants to do more. I'm just going to proclaim this. This is a year of more for this campus. 2016, the rest of this year, this fall, God is going to blow through any limits we've ever put on him because we're going to begin to see him move in the everyday moments. We're going to stop confining him to spaces like this, and we're going to see God flood our campus and our classrooms. People are going to begin to get healed. I'm proclaiming that in the name of Jesus. People are going to get healed. It's going to be miracles. And the best thing of all, people are going to realize that God loves them, and they're going to find their purpose in Jesus Christ. Above any of the supernatural things, above the healings, although those are cool, people are going to know that God loves me. God doesn't view me as a slave. He views me as a son or daughter. And he wants to have a relationship with me. When we begin to see God in the ordinary moments and, and we begin to seize the moments, people will come to know Jesus. And maybe you're sitting in this room and you don't know Jesus. You're like, how am I going to share about someone I don't know? And I believe that God brought you here for a reason tonight. God wants to have an intimate relationship with you through his son, Jesus Christ. Our sins have separated us from God, but Jesus bridged the gap by dying on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins and made a way for us when there was no way. Jesus made it possible for us to have a relationship with God who is so holy and we're so screwed up, but Jesus made a way. Come on. Jesus made a way for each of us to have a relationship with him. So later on in Acts 3, Peter, doing what he does, gets up, preaches to a crowd of people. He just got like 3,000 people saved a chapter before. And this is what he says in verse 19. He says, repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, appointed for you, Jesus. Repent, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. And this is for everyone right here. Verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I want to be refreshed because this semester you know, winter was like the whole semester. Now it's finally like spring. You know, hallelujah. Finals are coming up. It's busy. But I want to be refreshed. And God is calling each of us. The way to find that refreshing is to repent and get right with him. So if you're far from God, you don't have a relationship, God wants you to get right with him tonight. If you're a Christian, you haven't been living for God, tonight he wants you to get right with him. And refreshing is going to come. Freedom is going to reign. So guys, stand with me real quick. If we want to be unstoppable in our faith, if we want to live this life of can't stop and won't stop, then we need to seize every moment. We need to recognize that God is not just reserving Thursdays and Sundays to do his thing. God is on the move every day of the week, every hour of the day, every minute of the hour. And we need to look for God in moments. We need to have the eyes to see. We need to love people because we love people, not because they're projects. And we need to give people the world's greatest gift, Jesus. And we need to walk with people. If we do these things, we're going to see God explode on this campus. I believe that revival is coming. I believe God is going to save so many students on our campus. I believe students who are hopeless are going to find hope. People who don't have purpose are going to find purpose. People who have been told their whole life that they're not loved, that they're not worthy. God can say, I love you. I believe that. But we have to recognize that God is moving every moment. We don't have to just wait for Thursdays. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. We pray that you would just refresh us right now, 
Because hallelujah, Daniel got done before the 40-minute mark, and Jesus is going to show up. So God, I pray that you would explode in this place, and God, I pray that each of us would taste your presence. Because God, if we don't have your presence, then we can't go. So Lord, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on this room. God, I pray that you would speak to us, that you proved us, that you're with us, and you're for us. God, we love you. We praise you. In your name, amen.